inspired leadership is always on the lookout for how do I amplify somebody else to be great. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey there, and welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky. Get yourself settled and enjoy the next 20 minutes because we've got a great show lined up for you. Alan Schaefer is here to join us, and we're talking about banding people together. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for having me. i got to tell you, he's a bit of a rock star, and I mean that literally, not just figuratively. Alan is a guy that literally just sang the national anthem at a big sporting event, and he's got a long history playing music for people all over the place. These days, Alan Schaefer is the founder and CEO of Banding People Together, an awesome group of behaviorists, strategists, and rock stars who teach people how to be their best selves when working with others. Alan and his team are working with clients at the highest levels when it comes to shaping cultures. A few of their global clients include NASA, yeah, that's right, NASA, Netflix, Cisco, Verizon. Alan, you've created Banding's true collaboration methodology, which includes your own diagnostic called the Collaborative Harmony Index. So we're here to learn a little bit more about what you're up to, what your team's up to, and the work that you're doing. So welcome to the show, my friend. I am grateful and I am flattered to be here. So thank you very much. This is very much what I call a get to and not a have to. I really do mean it when I said the honor is mine. Before we get rolling, I've got to ask you that all important question that we ask everybody on the show. Alan, what leader inspires you and why? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a different answer. It's going to be in two parts. Throw me for a loop, my friend. Any leader that is truly walking their walk and their talk. Oh, I love it. Fortunately, there's plenty of them out there, and unfortunately, they're not easy to find, at least what I've found. In terms of a real-world person, I'm going to throw you for another loop because it's not someone that is still of this world, but I was a huge fan of Gandhi. Right on. Really from the perspective of shows what's possible instead of probable and used real power instead of force. Force is met with resistance. And power is a large, infinite idea. And someone like that who was able to stick their, to their conviction to create such a game-changing movement is why we still talk about Gandhi to this day. Yeah, the peaceful protests, right? Yeah. Very incredible, very powerful, and very inspiring. I got to agree with you 100%. I'm going to turn the tables right back on you as far as inspiring leaders. You've been called the maestro of human capital excellence. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> I get called a lot of things. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I think it's probably because you have such a unique perspective as a successful entrepreneur, a recording artist, a songwriter, and as a consultant in your current work. So I have to say straight away that this is an unusual combination of experiences. And if you will, I would love it if you'd shine a light for us on this unique background of yours. Let us know what you and your team are up to sure. over at Banding People Together. And if you can, give us a little roadmap as to where this is all headed and maybe even throw in a couple perspectives on leadership for us. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I need to take you out on the road with <laughs> um, So thank you. 
No problem. I think to kind of set the stage here, if we go back, so in 1993, there was this brand new thing called the internet. Right. Yeah. I've heard of that. I was actually told around that time that the internet was a fad. I'm not making this up. Wow. At the NASDAQ International Business Plan Competition, I was told it was a fad. So my twin brother and I, Robert, we were band guys. We started a concert information website called tourneys.com. We took a $30,000 equity line of credit on mom and dad's house, pressure and starved. <laughs> we were acquired by Launch Media that then got bought by Yahoo. So after that, I stayed on for a year to help oversee the integration of us into their business. Then I was like, okay, well, I want to become the best songwriter I can be. So I started going to Nashville. Yeah. I then started a band called Five Star Iris, which uh, my wife came up with the name. Flower that grows well under adverse conditions seemed fitting. Yeah. We had the good fortune of we were on the radio, we were on television, we played in 16 different countries. We played for U.S. servicemen and women in places like Iraq and Djibouti, East Africa and Australia and really got to do the whole rock star thing. Wow. Yeah, it was really crazy. But although it was funny, it was humbling. You know, there were some places where people would compare me to Bono in the same sentence. And the next night we'd be playing somewhere in the middle of Colorado. Ultimately, what started to happen is the band was plateauing. We just weren't progressing. And we had all this talent. We had a great sound. We had connections. I met with a, a buddy of mine, a guy named Briggs Ferguson, who was the CEO of a company called City Search. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Alan, uh, I was telling about the band woes and the personnel problems that were going on. After he said, oh, wow, big surprise, a band not getting along. He says, uh, there's a book that I think would really help you. And it was Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, yeah, I love that book. And here's the thing. So I'm reading that book. And for those of you out there in cyberspace who may or may not be familiar with it, it's a really a great book. Put me on the path. It's a leadership fable about a new CEO aligning an executive team and all the drama that ensues. And so as I read this book, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're screwed. <laughs> so I could not see my part in it. I was like, they don't want it as badly as I do. They're not as talented as I do. They're not all in like I am. They're not working as hard as I am. What I didn't realize at the time was it wasn't them. I mean, they had their part, but it was really me. I was really kind of in charge and kind of the leader of the band. And I had this sort of my way or the highway type of thing going, even though I did it with a smile. Yeah. And so as the band started to run its course, I became the student of why do some bands make it when others don't? And that led me to team theory, complexity, leadership, organizational development, behavioral diagnostics, anything that I could get my hands on. Alan, I'm curious if you don't mind me backing up just a second. You said that you were really passionate about band and you really wanted to see it take off and you kind of had this clear vision of how it had to be. Isn't this a trap that a lot of leaders get into? They got promoted because they knew the front line really well. They were successful. They figured it out. And then they figured that they got the answer. So they get into their position and same thing. They start pushing things down on people. 100%. That's a great point. When I talk about leadership now, I get asked a lot, give me one word for leadership. I always say the same word. It's awareness. Yeah. Wow. Good one. I love that. Because awareness is very encompassing. So under the umbrella of awareness, you have things like empathy. And in awareness, you realize, hey, even though I'm in charge, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't have all the answers. And that's okay. But you know what? I've got these great people that I've put around me, <laughs> you know, that I'm lucky enough to have that uh, can see the things I can't see. Yeah. You know, awareness is huge. And what's so ironic is I was so lacking. 
in the band. My blind spots had blind spots. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it took years of a lot of self-study as I was trying to figure out why the band didn't make it. The funny thing in this was I didn't realize it was me. Yeah. That took me years to figure out. And so essentially banding people together and me developing a methodology to teach people not to be the jerk I was. Right. Kind of deconstructing the experience and the lack of alignment and lack of awareness and all the misaligned behavioral metrics and things that were just derailing what was really a great, great band. I'm kind of surprised because not a lot of people come on the show admitting some of the places where they've fallen down. So first off, thank you for that, because I think we can all learn from somebody has learned the hard way. I guess that kind of leads me into the next part, which is where did it go from there? What did you do about that? And how did you turn this into banding people together? Great question. I get asked this a lot. Yeah. How in the world did you come up with something so weird? I always call it my Reese's peanut butter cup moment. My left and my right brain collided. Right. After I read the Lencioni book, I learned about this thing called team building. Well, I got an idea. I could just be another flavor and I'll go teach people how to write songs. And that's how I'll teach them how to to work together. It is really crazy because this is like 2008, 2009, and like the economy is just tanking. Yeah. So it applies all logic whatsoever. It's like, hey, let's start a business that really depends on what's considered discretionary income in an organization. Like I was just too dumb to quit. It, Really. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know, if I can get through the other side of this. I'll be in okay shape. I said to my wife, hold on, here comes someone who can put up with all this crazy entrepreneurial stuff. So we started off as a team building idea and we teach people how to write songs in these sessions. And there was a curriculum, you know, we had hired an instructional designer. I, I never knew what that was. And then we hired one. And But then I had this revelation. I was like, you know, I think that somebody somewhere should be measuring collaboration on an individual team and organizational level. And no one was doing it. And I thought this was profound. Yeah, because how in the world do you do that, right? And so I found a PhD, not too scared to work with the crazy band guy, Dr. Brandon Sullivan, who is actually at Carlson Business School at University of Minnesota. I said, Doc, here's my vision. Can we do it? Does it exist? No. Can we do it? Yes. So We built the Collaborative Harmony Index, which we call Find Your Groove. And in our world, we're always transferring the language and experience from the music world to other environments. So what you and your listeners might call high performance, we call groove. So we're just trying to get everybody in the groove. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important because on a leadership level, everybody's trying to make a record. So maybe you're trying to increase revenue. Maybe you're trying to increase engagement. Maybe you're trying to launch a new project. Maybe you're planning an offsite, whatever it is. Everyone's trying to make a record. It requires people to do that together in some effective, meaningful fashion. And so what a band does is a band hires a producer, like a Quincy Jones or a Rick Rubin. Or it's not that they're just musically talented. They know how to get the right people in the room to create the magic. And so they have a certain awareness that they have to align everyone in the band to get to that level of performance. And so a producer is really a guide. And that's what I think a leader is. Yeah. A leader is a guide, helping people see the things that they can't see yet, open to learning, where not claiming to have all the answers, but seeing that big picture and making sure that everyone is still aligning to that record that we set out to make. That's really what we do at Banding. I think it's important for people listening to understand that, at least from our point of view, there's this very unrealistic expectation 
that we should be able to collaborate in a way that is meaningful and effective. Right. There's three reasons why this collaborative insanity exists. What collaborative insanity is, is the notion that by simply telling, you know, you as a leader, you say to some people on your team, I need you guys to work together better. Go do it. Yeah, right. That's clear. Effective collaboration is a very complex dynamic exercise. Yeah. There's three reasons why the insanity exists. First of all, we've never been taught how to do it effectively. So true. There are going to be people listening going, oh, but what about a sports team? Yeah, that doesn't count. Well, what about when you're in the military? You work together, but you're not being taught this universal skill set to navigate working with anybody. We've never been taught, but yet we are expected to be able to do it as adults. Secondly, there are no rules of the road. There are collaborative car crashes going on 24-7. So like, let's think about this. Why do we have car crashes? Well, either someone doesn't know the rules, they don't understand the rules, they blow off the rules, or they're not aware. Yeah. That's what's happening when we work together. And that's why there's so much what we call dissonance, which is the opposite of harmony. And then finally, all you leaders out there, this is an important idea to overcome the insanity. What's subjective to you, Terry, what's subjective to me or anyone else, it's like saying, hey, this hamburger, we go to a restaurant, it's the best burger you ever had, it's the worst burger I ever had, so who's right? Nobody. There's no value in it. Right. So the work that we do in the system of true collaboration that we've developed is really codifying the collaboration process into this five-step repeatable process. But it's also fair to mention that the reason why it's not looked at as a process or people haven't tried to measure it is because I think in the world, we grow up learning that collaboration is an activity. Hey, we're in a room together. We're working on something together. So it's the act of. But it's really this much more involved, complex process. And so we have made it an easier process, if that makes sense. This is brilliant. This is absolutely fabulous because I think you're just hitting the nail right on the head. This is the problem that's holding a lot of organizations back from getting where they want to go or leading their industry or acquiring and growing their client base. It really has to do with the dynamics of the people working together in an effective way. Here's what's crazy. I've had two organizations as of late where their chief human resources officers come to me and say, we need some help. And then they, they start telling me about their CEO. And I go, you know, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we can't help you because your CEO is the problem. I'm not really in the business and we're not in the business of dragging anybody up a hill that they don't want to go. It's really a big problem because a lot of organizations still view a leader as this type A, get it done no matter what. I don't think that's what a leader is about. I think a leader is creating conditions for everybody to excel, grow, be their best selves, all in a way that's going to help accomplish the goals of the business. Even organizations being able to define what's a great leader, it's pretty staggering to watch people really step on these same nails over and over and over. Well, listen, I think you've already led into this next question that I have for you, Alan. Let's just see if we've covered it off anyway. I was going to ask you, what do you think the biggest challenges are that are facing a lot of the leaders out there today? I think understanding their role. Everybody knows that if I can get my people aligned, that we're going to have success and get results. But leaders aren't really being equipped on how to align everyone once they get in the room to jam on an interpersonal level. So they're seeing the four corners of their room, but not seeing the bigger structure around them. Our whole job is to create the conditions as a producer so we can amplify the collective intelligence in the room. In many cases, 
the leader that's complaining about how uncollaborative their team is, is the one that's actually creating that. I just think there is an everyday pragmatic awareness. If you're getting the band in the room, how do you create the vibe or the magic? What conversations do you have to drive and what do you have to shine the light on for that to become a strategic part of your everyday operation? It's crazy. It's like this panacea. It will solve talent problems. It will solve engagement problems. It will solve efficiency problems. It will solve productivity problems. It's just that simple. And I think if leaders really took that view of like, hey, I'm the maestro here. My job here is to make sure that I'm creating the conditions. We were in the lab, whatever can grow and thrive in the Petri dish. And in so many cases, they're not doing it. And sometimes they're doing it for a lack of awareness. Sometimes they're doing it because they're maybe not up for having honest, transparent conversations and they are looking the other way in the way of result. Here's this person on our team. They're not really playing by the rules that we've all agreed to, but as the leader, I'm going to look the other way because, man, they just put up the numbers and that's how I get my bonus. Well, man, that sends such a crazy message to everybody else. I think also one of the words that I don't hear a lot of in leadership is consistency. Right. As human being, we want consistency. Parenting, not that I would know, I only have furry ones. <laughs> so now we get into the workforce and some of the most basic things that help us feel safe and good and stable as human beings were throwing out the window. And I believe that in the future, the leaders, the people that are the real doers and change agents, they're going to be Yoda. They're going to be the ones that are just seeing all the different sides and understanding that they don't have all the answers and it's okay, and that they're there to amplify everybody else. And that's how you scale the people side of your business. There's kind of two types of people on a high level. You have those that are considered to be more heart-wired and more kind of relationship side, and then the hardwired. Just give me the result, give me the process. And what's happening in organizations is it's turned into the this or instead of this and. For anyone listening who might think, oh, this awareness stuff, or that's awfully touchy-feely, and this soft skill stuff isn't going to get me the result, respectfully, you're wrong. And I always ask for those people, how's that working for you so far? That awareness allows for a mind-numbingly amazing amount of efficiency and result. To give you an example, we just went to work with one of our clients in Minnesota. You know, there's four stages of teaming some of you might be familiar with. So there's forming, then storming, norming, when everyone starts to kind of get into a groove, and then performing. Right. The work that we do eliminates norming and storming altogether. So like if you just do the math and go forming to performing, so whether that's assimilating, getting a new team together, assimilating a new leader or a new team member, time is money. And I don't think there's anyone on the hardwired or heartwired side that has to be convinced of that. So the reason for some of this soft skill stuff and the reason why I believe leaders should actually take a look at how they are investing in this type of work, it's going to save you time. It's going to make you less of the referee. It's going to allow you to work on the business in the way that you want to, to get the result, which is what you're being measured on and the impact that you want to make. That is awesome. Absolutely fabulous. I really like the unique perspective that you bring to this. My last question for you is this, Alan, what does inspired leadership mean to you? Wow, that's a great question. I think inspired leadership, there's certain leaders that just amplify everyone around them. And it doesn't mean that they're always 
puppies and daisies and sunshine. They're rock stars. And what rock stars do, rock stars create unique, special experiences for everybody. And so inspired leadership is always on the lookout for how do I amplify somebody else to be great. There you have it, folks. This is another epic episode of Inspiring Leaders with another rock star guest. Thank you, Alan, for joining us here today. Truly appreciate it. Love your perspective. I think it's invaluable, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So, folks, I'm throwing out a challenge for all of our listeners today. I want you to click that listener feedback button down below wherever you're listening right now. Give us some ratings and comments. That's the fuel that drives us, and that's the way we reach more people out there. We are trying to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. So your perspective counts. Make sure that you vote in for us. Now, check us out next week. The Leadership Brothers are back. We're going to be focusing on the intolerable bosses out there. We're going to expose the fear monger and explore what you can do to survive. Don't miss that one. Until next time, everybody, thank you very much for subscribing. Please plan to listen again next week. Take care, everybody, and bye for now. Thank you.